Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta, Yerdena Osband, our daf of the day, Masacha Beitza, daf kaf dalad, page 24. Page 24 is really a new parak. We're in parak Gimel, the third chapter, and we are still talking, of course, about Yontif, uh, the holiday, and the different kinds of things you could do or not do on the holiday. Now we're really investigating, I think, even more preparation and Yardena, you said this a few days ago that the way we prepare nowadays, as compared to what preparation uh, was done in ancient times, is so dramatically different because we're so things are so convenient and so available. So this is going to be um, a testimony to exactly that. I'm beginning on Kaf Gimel Amud at the very very end of the daf. Uh, the Mishnah says, "Ein sadin dagim min min varim b'yom tov ve'ein otnim lifnehem mizonot." So you're not allowed to trap fish from fish ponds on the holiday, even if your goal is to eat them, because it seems to be this is considered hunting, right? Trapping and hunting are comparable. It's not the same thing as just food preparation. It's, you know, maybe too many steps in advance of that. Um, Likewise, you're not allowed to put food in front of the fish. You're not supposed to feed those fish. Because they could eat, they're in the fish pond. They can eat from smaller fish or from algae, you know, whatever whatever is up for them. It's not your job on Yantif to feed the fish in the fish pond. But, you can trap an animal or a bird from the enclosure. That's the Bevarim. Because once they're already in an enclosure, they're already trapped. Meaning, you're not doing the trapping, really. You're just, you know, continuing. You're not going to hunt. Rather, you are just simply embarking on food preparation. Um, and likewise, you could give the animals that are in your enclosure, uh, you can give them food the same way that you would feed any other household animals, whether that means a pet or the livestock that you may own for other purposes, you know, dairy or eggs or uh, horses to drive a carriage or whatever. Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel Mer, local habirim shavin. Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel makes the point that not all of these enclosures are you're not going to think, when you're talking about hunting, not every um, yard, enclosed yard, it has the same status. Rather, here's the rule. What's the difference? Anything where the trapping is considered inadequate, meaning you've got a huge, I don't know, arena there, and you have to then go out into the like it might be in an enclosure, like a game preserve, let's say, that is going to be too large to be considered an enclosure that would be permitted to consider this is already, you know, set for your food preparation as compared to something that is, um, you know, much, much smaller. I think the, I think size is probably the main factor here, although perhaps the nature of the fencing could, could be relevant as well. Um, the idea is quite simply, if you have to go out and, catch it, you know, not just bring it in, but to go out and find it and trap it, then that's called hunting. That's part of what hunting is. So the Gemara here says, to begin with, we seem to have a contradiction. So the Gemara says, first of all, we've got a statement in the Tosefta that says straight up, you're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to hunt from the Bevarim, from these enclosures on Yantif, and you don't feed the animals that are in there. 
which is a direct contradiction to this Mishnah, to the second part of this Mishnah. Kasha Chaya Achaya, Kasha Ofota Ofot. It seems to me that it's a, con- a direct contradiction, con- excuse me, contradiction between the animals and the birds, meaning as opposed to saying, well, the fish, the fish is already in different status as we've just seen. The Gemara wants to resolve this. Bishlama Chaya Achaya Lokasha, Ha Rabbi Yehuda, Ha Rabbanan. So the Gemara says it's not a problem to say that we've got these contradictory statements about the chayot, about the animals, because the first position is Rabbi Yehuda, who says that an animal that is trapped in an enclosure where that trapping is inadequate, right, where you have to go after the animal to catch it, you can't do that on Yantif, as compared to um, the rabbis who say that as long as you've got an animal that's in an enclosure, that's considered, then it's considered trapped, meaning the difference of degree shapes this machloket, and because there's a machloket, it's very easy then to say that the tosefta is representing one view, and the Mishnah here is representing a different view. Um, okay. The question, though, is about the birds. Ella of, I'm jumping down a drop. Ella of fota of fot kasha. We do have this question about the birds. If you want to say it's the same thing, right? You want to say that the bird distinction is, you know, whether you can catch them or not, whether it's prohibited on Yantif is the same as the animals, that one, that the, what is permitted in the mission is prohibited in the Tosefta. If you want to say it's the same thing, the Gemara says, The distinction becomes the, I don't want to say the distinction. The way this is resolved is a little bit different. The claim is that if you've got a roofed enclosure, that if the bevarim are covered, then you are then your birds are already trapped. Meaning, and even if it's a wide space, you can treat that as you know uh, an enclosure from which you can go take the birds uh, to make you know to take them to slaughter for food on the as compared to an unroofed enclosure. The Gemara points out you cannot consider that a fully a fully trapped bird. Um, I'm going to assume, perhaps incorrectly, but you know, because we're not supposed to assume. But uh, the understanding here, of course, is for birds. We're talking about flying birds, and obviously, a bird that it might not think to leave through the roof that is not there. But if a bird is, you know, it, it could, and that makes a big difference here, right? As compared to. Um, requiring a bird to be in a small space. It's not that. But the moment you've got some kind of roofing, you've got your birds. Um, I think that's the main part that I wanted to talk about here. So it's interesting to see a whole different topic here about food preparation. You know, shchita is allowed, but the issue of trapping, which sort of is what has to happen before you even have the food that you want to eat, um, it seems a, almost a little out of order. Like maybe we should have started with this, and instead, this is a topic of a whole separate parak. Right. Yes. Well, you, I think your point is exactly right. You would think that we would begin, and we've seen this in other masechto, right? We begin in advance of the chag. We begin in ad- how long in advance of Pesach, right? We're going to start talking about looking for chametz to ch- to check for to, for bedikat chametz long in advance of anything that actually brings us to the holiday here. I don't I don't know why. I don't know why the order is this way. Right. So I'll go on to the next Mishnah, which is on the bottom of Amaral. So if you have traps for animals, birds, or fish, and they're set on Arab Chag, in other words, you set that trap up, you know, the day before Chag starts, 
you can't take anything from it on Yom Tov. Unless you know that the animal that you find in the trap was actually caught before Chag began. And then the Mishnah tells a story that there was a certain non-Jew who brought fish to Rav Gamliel. And Rav Gamliel said, the fish are permitted, but I don't want to accept them from him, right? And it's not clear. Some of the Farshim explained, maybe it's because he didn't like this non-Jew. What exactly is going on here that he didn't want to accept this fish? So I'm not going to read the initial part of the, it, it's interesting, actually, the Gemara begins trying to understand this story with Rav Gamliel right away. So the first half of the mission is very obvious to the Gemara, right? If it's not caught before Chag, you can't use it. And so you would have to know with certainty uh, that it was before. So they begin a little bit thinking about, talking a little bit about this concept of certainty and uncertainty, right? If you have a suffix, what do you do? Um, but I'm going to hop down to Amud Bet, um, where they talk a little bit more about this, um, about this thing with the, uh, with the fish. But Amar Mutarim Haim. Right. So that Rabbi Gamliel said this fish that was brought to Menchag was considered to be mutar. Mutarin lamai. And so the Gemara asks a great question where, again, we see how the Gemara pays such close attention to the wording of the Mishnah itself. So the question is, what is it permitted for? Rav Amar mutarin lakabel. Rav says it's permitted to be received. In other words, you can take it as a gift. You can move it around your house, but you're not allowed to eat it. The Levi Amar mutarin bachila. And Levi says you're allowed to eat it. Amarav. And then Rav tells this interesting story. A person should never prevent himself or, you know, from being in the Beit Midrash, even for one moment. So one time, Rav says, he and Levi were in front of Rabbi Huda Anasi. So first of all, from a historical perspective, I know we've mentioned it before, that Rav was sort of this transitional generation leading from the Tanaim to a first generation Amor, which is what he is. And even though he lives in Bavel, he's primarily associated with the Shivot in Bavel, he studied in Eretzra with Rabbi Huda Hanasi. So this is one of these text proofs that we see that explain that. We see it, he's talking about when he learned from Rabbi Huda Hanasi in Eretzra. So he and Levi are there. And this Gemara, this Halacha was stated, Rabbi Huda Hanasi says this Halacha. But Urta Amar Mutarim Bachila. In the morning, he said they're allowed to be eaten, this fish. But by the evening, right, when he finishes his lecture, he says what? That they are just allowed to be, sorry, B'safar means the next, not the evening, the next morning. He says that they're just allowed to be uh, received. They're not allowed to be eaten. So he says, I, who was in the Beit Midrash, right? I right, I retracted what I said. And he that's why initially he didn't say he only says Lakabel because he's saying, I heard this exactly from Rabbi Yudha Nasi. Initially he said Lechol, then he changes it to Lakabel. Levi de la Habe Bay Midrasha, love Hadar Bay. But Levi was not in the Bay Midrash later on, and he didn't hear the Rabbi Yudha Nasi changed what he said. And therefore Levi said, you know, that you could eat because he didn't hear the retraction. He didn't hear the change that it's really only um, uh, that it's really only Lakabel. Um, so I like this passage. I already mentioned, I think it gives us good historical information about the chain, chain of transmission between Rabbi Huda Nasi 
and that first generation of Amrayim who eventually do end up in Babel. And second, it gives us this interesting lesson, you know, about like the importance of sort of hearing the lecture in full. Sometimes a teacher can start off sort of making one point. And if you miss the lecture the next day, it may clarify or change what you got out of, you know, the, 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 the first lecture that you heard. And uh, I think we know this to be true. You know, anytime we've taken a class in college, university, or even just going to a, a, a series of something that, you know, they, that sometimes we may miss something because we don't hear the end. And so Rub was basically saying, you know, sort of shaming Levy by saying Levy didn't hear the whole thing. So you can't really trust uh, what it is that he said. I think that the process here is really interesting. I mean, we talk about this a lot, right? The the way, not just the halachas, but the way the people are talking about them. And I found this passage to be particularly, I don't know, like eye-opening in in terms of the back and forth of it. Yeah, and it, and I, I think we could all see like how that could actually happen, right? You know, somebody's like, oh, I got it yesterday. Maybe they're, Maybe my teacher's talking about something new or... I understood the lesson well, so I don't need to to hear it anymore. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I think Rob is trying to teach us something, you know, about how we study Torah. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to our venue, Michelle Farber, for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.